Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hello, 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 and welcome to another edition of the Niner Noise Podcast, part of the Fan-Sided Podcast Network. My name is Robert Morrison, and I am a contributor at NinerNoise.com, and here with me to celebrate, well, you know, a lot of things. We want to celebrate uh, the new year, and uh, so, you know, welcome to 2020 and all that good stuff, but also a lot of good things in 49ers land. Is another contributor at NinerNoise.com, Mr. Chris Wilson. Chris, how are you doing this evening? I am doing fantastic. The San Francisco 49ers are officially back. Niners won their regular season Super Bowl against the Seahawks <laughs> this last week, 26 to 21. And they're now 13 3 on the season. And thanks to victories over the Saints and the Packers earlier in the year, the NFC playoffs will now run through Levi's Stadium. So it only took them three years to do it. But the Lynchahan era can now be deemed a success. They morphed Chip Kelly's two-win squad into the number one seed in the NFC. And now Lynch and Shanahan just need to finish what they started and bring home that sixth Lombardi trophy that we've been itching for for so many years. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, a little bit of time. Lots of exercising of demons and, and all that stuff happening on Sunday. The 49ers pulled off their first win in Seattle uh, that we talked about last week that went all the way back to 2011. So that's that's great. Um, that was a good way to do it. And of course, we'll talk about the specifics of it in a little more detail in just a moment. But we talked last week about the the possible play of the season and it, as it related to Fred Warner. Um, well, I think <laughs> Warner might have been uh, knocked down a couple of spots uh, this week, which we'll get into a little bit in a little bit more detail. But yeah, 49ers NFC West title for the first time since 2013, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and the first time they've been the NFC's overall number one seed since 1997, which is a crazy thing to think of. That's a really long time. A little bit too long. Uh, and of course, they haven't won a Super Bowl since 1994. So hopefully we'll be getting rid of even more demons moving forward. Um, Man, stop rubbing it in. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know, I know. Uh, and of course, they'll have uh, the number one seed all the way through the playoffs, as you, as you mentioned. 
with home field advantage. They also have the, the second best record in the league tied for the second best record in the league with a couple other teams, a lot of which seem to be in the NFC with them. So it's kind of crazy. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's a really exciting way to, to end the regular season. It was literally the last regular season game of, of the season and of 2019 and all these things. And so it was really cool to, to, to watch that game. It was, it was another like, edge of your seat like yelling at the television um kind of situation but you know hey a win's a win at this particular point so <laughs> i'll definitely take a win especially when we're playing in seattle yeah for sure <laughs> it doesn't matter how bad the 49ers play i will definitely take a win and they didn't play bad they, they played well in most aspects of the game and uh you know their overall success in 2019 wasn't entirely unexpected i think we discussed earlier the pythagorean win expectation mm-hmm. and the importance of the turnover differential and how that impacts uh, wins and losses. It's not surprising that 10 of the top 11 teams in turnover differential in the NFL are all playing in the playoffs. The 49ers last year were last in the league with a turnover differential of minus 25, and they have done a lot better in that category this season. They had a plus four turnover differential in 2019, which ranked 11th in the NFL. And their uh, Pythagorean uh, win expectation last year was the fourth worst or best, depending on how you want to look at it. They're supposed <laughs> to be a team that won over five games, and they were a four and twelve team. And they were, you know, just behind the uh, the ten win Ravens. So it shows that those two statistics or metrics you know, are important. And yeah, just a, an, another year of um, you know them being pretty good predictors of uh, of future success. So now we'll go ahead and move into our one-up, one-down segment for the uh, game against Seattle on Sunday. I'll go and get started with my up for the game, and I am going with our very handsome quarterback, uh, Jamie Garoppolo. Uh, played a good game, might have gone a little under the radar uh, during the the game because he didn't uh, maybe do anything that was flashy or anything along those lines, but he was solid, and he got the job done when he needed to do that uh, throughout the game. He was 18 for 22 for 285 yards um, no touchdowns uh, but also no turnovers and he was only sacked twice and both those came on the team's opening drive which they managed to overcome uh, to score that uh, first field goal uh, in the game uh, he also had his first uh, elite pff grade with a 90.1 overall and and to my eyes he just looked really poised throughout the game and um, especially when the 49ers needed him the most he made some big plays and and gotten the got the ball down the field and, and that sort of thing. Um, he probably should have had a touchdown. I think Debo's fumble on their uh, third drive, uh, which Debo managed to recover. I think that would have been an opportunity for them to get the ball in the end zone at that particular point. And uh, all those people that are saying that he doesn't have the capability of getting the job done, I think are going to have to start eating their words if he keeps playing like this. Uh, finish the season 2019 uh, 329 for 476, which is 691 uh, percent completion percentage, uh, 3,978 yards, which is 12th in the league, uh, just missed becoming um, another uh, 49ers quarterback in the first since Jeff Garcia, I believe, to get a 4,000-yard um, passing in one season. Probably if a lot of his drops had gone as catches, he would have gotten there very easily. Imagine if he had no drops this season, <laughs> 8,000. Uh, throughout the season, 27 touchdowns was tied for fifth in the NFL, and uh, 13 interceptions, many of which were not his fault uh, because of um, some sort of stone hands from his receivers. He also scored one rushing touchdown, and uh, to my mind, he should be the NFL's comeback player of the year, more or less, because his story is the type of thing uh, that often wins the award where somebody goes out with an injury and they come back and have a good season, and I think that's that's really 
something that he should have the opportunity to win. And more importantly, he has a good shot getting the 49ers to the Super Bowl in his first season as a as a full-time starter. Yes, he's definitely made me happy this year. He may not be in the in the upper, upper tier, the number one tier of quarterbacks in the NFL, but he is definitely in the second tier. And he is good enough to win your team a Super Bowl, especially if you have you know, a respectable amount of talent around you. And you know, right now he has probably more like a handful of good running backs, depending on the, which wide receivers you want to count as running backs. And he has a B-plus wide receiver, and he has a A-plus-plus tight end. You put that all together and you add in Shanahan and, and his play, play calling and play design, and uh, you, know, you have a quarterback who can, who can take you the distance. And um, especially if you can back him up with a halfway decent defense, I mean, just half of what we had in the first half of the season, and you know, the 49ers could really go far this year. He sort of has that cornerback mentality in that he forgets what happens the last play and just keeps on playing. And sometimes you really need that from a quarterback because you very rarely see him get into a funk. I think the only time he did was when he's pressured to the point where he's worried about turning the ball over like we've discussed in nauseam over the course of this year. But other than that, you know, he'll throw a pick on one play and he'll go right back after the guy the next play. So I, I, like, I like the way he plays the game. He plays within himself. He doesn't try to toss too many long bombs up in the middle of the field a la C.J. Beathard. You know, they get picked and lose your games. Any mistakes he, he makes are usually misreading the coverage, like a lot of younger quarterbacks from game perspective will make. And, you know, he has a lot of uh, room to grow. So if he can grow, you know, the 49ers are only going to be better. So the pairing of, of Garoppolo and Shanahan, even though it may not be the pairing that Shanahan originally wanted, I hope that Shanahan realizes that they're a good match for each other and, and a good marriage, at least in the football sense. I, I don't know how they'd be about dividing up household chores and stuff like that. So for my up, you were kind enough to leave me with the star of the show, rookie linebacker Dre Greenlaw. He led the team with uh, 13 tackles, 11 solo tackles, one quarterback hit, one tackle for loss, and the play of the game, which was a beautiful tackle in space against... I guess he's technically a tight end with a fullback number, <laughs> Jacob Hollister for the Seahawks. And Greenwall just entirely stonewalled Hollister. I mean, there's, there's no way that Hollister shouldn't have run him over, especially with a head of steam. And he braced for the hit and Greenlaw played on the ground and put Hollister on the ground. And when you're saying before that they play the season, that I named the play of the season last week, or his pick six, I mean, he actually played an integral role in, in that play as well because he sort of allowed Hollister to take the slant knowing that Greenlaw was over there. But then when the ball was thrown his way, he did a great job of stopping Hollister from rolling over into the end zone. So I, I'm not quite sure if he would have scored or not if Warner hadn't been there to stop him. But with Warner there... Changed it from a replay I'd be extremely worried about to a replay where I was already celebrating before they told us what the quote-unquote outcome would be. So giving it up to uh, rookie Dre Greenlaw, who has stepped up when we've needed him to step up and is a uh, fan favorite and also is a guy who you know, he's, he's learning and he does not have you know, a large amount of snaps. He's only paid a portion of the season. And it'd be interesting to see what they do with him next year. I mean, I think if they move him back to Sam... Or actually, maybe in a couple weeks, potentially, depending on how how Quan does. Moving him back to Sam, I think we could potentially have a elite trio of linebackers to go along with a potentially elite defensive line. So 
all things are good in linebacker land, especially when we get Quan back from his entry. Apparently, yeah. like <laughs> tomorrow. I don't know, like four hundred percent earlier than he's supposed to. <laughs> well, him and uh, apparently JJ Water freak human beings. That's the only reason way we can work with that. So. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's true. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, obviously, Greenlaw has has been. You know, he's been up and down. He has not. He's not had a lot of consistency throughout the season, but that you know he's a rookie. He was a, a late round rookie pick, so that these things are to be expected. Um, but he has stepped up when needed, and um, uh, I imagine that the Seattle Seahawks are probably tired of the look of him <laughs> um, after after he almost 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 stole the the first game away with that interception yeah. um, in, in overtime. And then this game, <laughs> the Seahawks are like, what, what is, what did we do to this guy? Who, who is this guy? <laughs> <laughs> like, no one had ever heard of him. And suddenly he's making like plays of the game. Yeah, exactly. And now all of a sudden, and now he, yeah, two weeks, two games in a row against the same team. He just, he almost seals a vic- one victory and, and seals another. So, yeah. So really looking forward to seeing what, what he can do. And I think, um, I mean, obviously the plan was all along for him to be playing in more of a, a part-time role with, with behind Alexander and, and, and Warner and he's had to step up. And so if there is sort of good to be had about the, the Alexander injury, I think him getting snaps in places that he wouldn't have will only be helpful, hopefully through the playoffs and, and, uh, into the next coming, uh, next season and, and beyond. So looking forward to that. So for my down, um, I'm I'm gonna pull off a Niner noise first, and I'm gonna repeat a down player uh, for uh, from last week. Must be pretty bad then. Yeah, um, <laughs> it's not it's not good. It's not good. Not good at all. Um, we have certainly had things that have been repeated at different times, but it feels like there have been situations where certain players like have had bad games, and then they'll have a better game, and then maybe they might come in a little bit later. But this is the first time, as I recall, that one player or one situation has gotten a, a, a down vote two weeks in a row. And unfortunately that is uh, Akella Witherspoon. Um, I referred to him in our show notes as the roller coaster currently known as Akella Witherspoon. Um, <laughs> this was even more bizarre in that this game, it wasn't just the roller coaster that was happening. Like, like from game to game, but this is like a literal roller coaster, like in the middle of games. Cause he had some plays during this game where he put, he, he, he did the job and he was effective and all that kind of thing. But then he'd have some just atrocious plays that just didn't, didn't get the job done. Um, and so in the middle, you know, during the game, he's going up and down and up and down and up and down. And it seems like he's got it. Oh, maybe he doesn't. Maybe he does. Oh, maybe not. Um, and I, I don't know what happened. Um, but it's pretty clear, uh, you know, he got benched for Emmanuel Mosley during the uh, the sort of like most important snaps of the season, possibly uh, for the defense. And Witherspoon's on the bench, and Mosley's out there. Um, I think that tells you a lot about what you need to know about how he played. Um, I think similar to the way that Nick Bosa might have stolen Kyle Allen's soul, um, I think maybe Julio Jones maybe <laughs> took Raquel <laughs> Witherspoon's a couple of weeks ago uh, because ever since that game, he's just he's just looked really out of sorts and I don't I don't know what's going on. Um another poor PFF grade for him this week 44.6 overall 36.9 in run defense and 48.1 in coverage. Um this game we we talked last week about the numbers not looking that atrocious last week gave up four catches for 20 yards. This week it was really bad. Eight targeted times he gave up six catches for 71 yards and two touchdowns. Um and what allowed a uh a passer rating when targeted of 141 um, 
on 37 coverage snaps, according to uh, Pro Football Focus. So not not great. Um, I think that they were pretty kind to him last week. Didn't you say that that he had something like 20 yards allowed? Yeah, yeah, 20 yards allowed on four on four receptions. So even though he had like two catches that he allowed that were more than 20 yards each. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Probably hashtag math. <laughs> I don't know. Mosley came in. He played uh, played 15 snaps. Uh, they were all covered snaps because, of course, at that point in the game, the Seahawks were just you know tossing it around. He gave up two catches on five targets for 34 yards. Uh, the, I think the one was the like the very first play they he came out there and and they threw it at him immediately, um, but then from then on he settled down and 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 took care of a business from then on um by comparison to witherspoon the 141 rating when targeted his quarterback rating when when targeted was just 63.8 um so that's that's better (laughs) that's that's a little something closer to what you're looking for um 49ers have a lot of things to to work on during this bye uh week that they have and we'll talk a little bit more about that in a in in a little bit but i I think figuring out what the answer is opposite richard sherman who has been playing really well this season has got to be like maybe the number one priority outside of a couple of other things that we'll get into later but uh i i think they got to find the answer and they got to decide who the guy is going to be moving forward for hopefully these next three games so last week you did a fantastic job of talking me out of benching witherspoon and putting Mosley in there. Not that like I have any control over it. <laughs> now that you've seen him play another subpar game, are you ready to switch him out now? Do you think that the Niners should switch cornerbacks or should they do a cornerback by committee? Or how do you think they should handle it going forward? Or do you think they should just, just let Witherspoon go out there and lose them games or, or maybe win them games depending on his mood that day? Right. <laughs> um, well, he's, I mean, as you met, as you sort of alluded to there, he has been very very sort of hot and cold he's he's made some you know good plays especially the first couple of weeks of the season he had that pick six against tampa um you know he so he's capable of of doing things um but the fact that that they sort of gave him such a long leash uh once he returned uh from injury tells you what the the team thinks about him overall i think uh but i think given the fact that they have what uh like nine days until their next game at this as we record here or on the second of january um i think it might be time to give him uh give mosley the chance to not lose the job as it were um i know that's kind of a, a backwards way of thinking about it but put mosley out there start him but they both have to know that it's not like hey you're in there and you're gonna you're gonna stick in there no matter what um i i think each of them having the opportunity to know that you know if if you're not doing the job that we need to do, that we do have somebody else behind you that can get the job done. And I think, um, again, we talked about the psychology of, of making that move. Uh, I think going into the last regular season game uh, wasn't a good time to make that move, but you now have time to make it in an efficient way and, and sort of make sure that everybody understands that this is for the betterment of the team and it doesn't have anything to do with any personalities or anything anything like that and so maybe yeah i think maybe now might be the time to to get the job to to switch over to mosley full-time um and see what he can do opposite sherman in that role i think mostly is like five eleven, something like that yes and yes witherspoon is six three yeah there's a big difference in that regard for sure i think that's the lone reason why mostly is not starting because i mean they're just throwing metcalf over there and just trying to throw high passes in mostly this direction as soon as he was in there. And you know, the Fortnite's do have a defense that is dependent on cornerbacks that honestly t- 
tall. Tall is obviously a good thing, but or extremely physical. And I think Mosley has the physical aspect down. You know, the height's not really something he has a lot of control over. <laughs> right. But you know, but he is a guy who could be targeted by guys you know, of that size. So his upside is a little bit limited just because of his height in the 49ers' current system. Sure. But his floor is a lot higher than Witherspoon's is. And, and just the way that their defense is sort of falling apart at times. I mean, I, I think that you know, Witherspoon, he gave up both of the touchdowns and then another one that was called back, correct? Um, I don't remember who gave up the touchdown that was that was called back. Yeah. I know what you're talking about, but I can't recall who the who the player was. Well, I remember it was in the corner of the end zone over his head. So, of course, I just assume it's on him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so if it wasn't your fault, my apologies to you, Witherspoon. <laughs> I just automatically think every touchdown thrown in your direction is your fault. I mean, it's coming to that. So that was on him and wasn't called back. You could have had a really, really bad game. So, yeah, it's came to that point. Perhaps it reached that point weeks ago. But you did a very good job of talking me out of it last week, and now I feel dumb. <laughs> so I'm sort of thinking that it is time. Yeah. Mosley needs to start this next upcoming game. We can take a look at who he would be up against, but it's uh, likely that it's going to be somebody of potentially larger size, but but not of you know, DK Metcalf type size because not a lot of guys are that size in the world. That's true. <laughs> so ho- hopefully he can hold his own because he has shown that he can hold his own against guys who are, are normal sized human beings. <laughs> so we'll see how that works out going forward. All right. Down for you, Chris, for the game? So for me, it was the little things because the 49ers were better than the Seahawks this game because they're a better football team than the Seahawks are this year, even though they lost them the first time and they barely beat them by an inch this time. But they outplayed them in pretty much every aspect of the game. Yet here we are pulling our hair out and having heart attacks as Russell Wilson has the ball on the final drive, just like we know that he will. And it's like, there's so many things we can do during the game to stop that from happening. And we just don't seem interested in doing them. We have 50 more net yards than they did where they had like 71 plays compared to our, I think we had less than 50 plays. So we're like 8.3 yards of play compared to 4.9 yards of play. And then we outrushed them. We were better through the air. The one area that we could not stop them was on third down. <laughs> Another area we, we could not stop them was when the refs had flags they wanted to throw. <laughs> so I think they gave it the Seahawks an extra uh, four first downs. And we weren't that bad on, on third downs. I think we were like 50%, something like that. We actually didn't have too many third downs. And then I think our, our red zone numbers are pretty similar as well. But when you're beating another team in all aspects of the game, but it's coming down you know, to the final seconds again, and, and you know that it's going to be coming down to the final seconds, even in like the second quarter, you know exactly where we're going. It would be nice if the coaching staff would just take a step back and look at why this is happening. Because a couple of you know, simple changes could help the coaching staff and help the team. And those changes are going to have to happen if you're going to win out for the rest of the postseason. And that's the only way that you can win the Super Bowl. So, you know, the Fortnite need to find a way to do that. So as far as the little things... I don't want to say anything negative about my boy Mitch, but you can't be kicking the ball out of bounds. Yeah, that was disheartening. <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> and I know you're a rookie too. A very expensive rookie for a punter with a very expensive draft capital spent, but what is done is done. And I still love you enough to wear your jersey. And I will continue to do so because we keep on winning. But that's something that we can't do. And he needs to work on his holds in the kicking game. That's something that has plagued the Niners a little bit this season, and not during this game, but it's an area that needs to be worked on. Number two, 
pressure in the second half, like Sully does, it's halftime. So Sully gets to change his defensive game plan to something that actually works. Except it didn't really work that well this time because he did try to pressure Wilson a little bit more, but he kept calling all these like delayed blitzes where a cornerback would come like out of nowhere, like off the sideline or something like that. And like Wilson would see him the entire way and just throw it to the guy who, you know, lock it over the middle who Kwan was originally quote unquote covering before he blitzed. So I like the Warner blitzes up the middle where posting quarterback doesn't have enough time to think, <laughs> let alone uh, find an open receiver. But some of these just delayed blitzes, just especially with Wilson, it's like, I don't see what the point of that is. You know, the four first down penalties and just penalties in important situations in general, definitely a problem. What do you think about the uh, personal foul penalty for the late block, the only block that he's had all season long? <laughs> How do you feel about that one? <laughs> I thought that was ridiculous. Um, I mean, his back was to the play, and he—if you watch it as it was as they showed the replay—if you look at what Garland was doing, he clearly was. It wasn't like you can usually see in the in the eyes of a of a guy who's like going after somebody because something happened. You know, like he said something that he didn't like, or he did something he didn't like. There's a very different look between somebody who's just going to do his job or try to do his job, which is yeah. what he thought he was supposed to do. It was a, it was a screen pass. The play is way away from him. You know, he was, his job was to get ahead of, of the, of the play and free up the second level. So the idea was, you know, the, the player gets through and that block is, is freeing things up. And there's no way in the world that you can tell me in a stadium that has the Guinness record for being the loudest place in the NFL or whatever, that he just heard the whistle and was just supposed to know that the play was over. Like, <laughs> like I don't, I don't understand it. Yeah, And especially a stadium where they're notorious for just blowing whistles in the stands because they're so classy there. In right. Well, yeah. And there's just a lot of noise and I, I just don't know how it, I mean, they didn't show what they didn't show obviously was where that happened in the, in the play, you know, they just show him making the block, which is like completely useless information. Like, okay, well there's nothing wrong with the block itself. So unless you're going to show me like where that happened within the play, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's, it doesn't matter. Like what he did was not inherently illegal unless it happened like many, many, many seconds after the play was over. It was definitely after the play was over, like from one shot and then all 22, you, you could see that, I mean, the play was over, but well, sure. I don't know how he would know it. I mean, it's sort of similar to the Saints game and Taysom's throw down the sideline. It's like, how can you expect this guy to know what's going on behind him? You know, like he has one specific job, it's in front of him. So especially in those kind of conditions, I don't know how you can throw a penalty at him. I mean, especially the, this guy's got to be like the biggest teddy bear of an offensive lineman I've ever seen. It's like, he's, he's like the least mean guy. You know, you want your guys to be like a little bit mean, like a little bit off, right? Right. He, you know, I mean, he's just like, when they interviewed him, he just seemed so nice, <laughs> which I, I mean, I, I, which is, is a good thing, but as a football player is not often a good thing. And maybe that's why he's not the best blocker. I don't know. But he's not the kind of guy who's trying to injure other players. He's just not that guy. You just can tell he's not that guy. He's just trying to play football the best that he can, which is not often that good. And he doesn't usually block people very well at all. So it, I don't know. It's just, to me, it's, yeah, these refs should know the players and the refs should know that he's not doing that on purpose. And he didn't injure the play. It's, it's, so, you know, if he injures the guy, okay, I understand. Throw the, throw the flag. He didn't injure the guy. He's fine. So, you know, it was a mistake. Yeah. That wasn't necessarily his fault. He can't be looking 
backwards when he's running forward trying to block somebody. So it was a tad bit upsetting because that was a huge, huge play from um, a win percentage and then a, um, a point expectation perspective. Yeah, for sure. And it's just unfortunate. So those are some of the downs. And then the final down or, or f- the final mini down is Shanahan's play calling and decision making in these key situations where he can put a team away and he just will not do it. And I don't know if he doesn't understand like the, the analytics behind some of his decisions, but he's make, he makes the, like the wrong decision and it, it is like established to be the wrong decision and he continues to do it. And it's often the, uh, an extremely passive decision that doesn't work. And then afterwards he'll do something that's like outlandishly aggressive that he should never do like to make up for it. And this is another game where he did that. So I was having a great time at the beginning of the game until they kicked that second field goal <laughs> on the, which I'm not really sure how it was fourth and two after that Debo bobble at the, uh, the Seattle five. Cause I don't think that he bobbled it back two yards. Yeah, I don't but, know. Yeah. I, I don't know. You know, these refs, they were, yeah. um, <laughs> there's also a whole lot of tackling of, uh, of 49ers, um, defensive ends this game, that. just like straight up tackling. Like that's cool. So it's a fourth and two, which is really a fourth and one. And the 49ers are already up by two scores. They're up 10 nothing. We have five minutes and 45 seconds, five, five minutes and 50 seconds, something like that in the second quarter. And we're on Seattle's seven, really should be six. So, you know, Shanahan immediately, I mean, doesn't even think about it, just immediately goes out there and sends his field goal team out there. And I was furious from that point until the last play of the game. Because <laughs> I'm like, I know what is going to happen here. Like, I can tell you exactly what's going to happen. You're not putting them away. You have a chance right now to put them away. If you go up on them three scores and they're going to have to score three times in the second half over you, it's, it's not going to happen. I mean, they're going to go in, into the locker room and this game is over. But instead, you kick a field goal and what does that field goal do? You're going up by still two scores and you're kicking the ball back up to Seattle and you're a, you're allowing them right there to go down there and score and make it a one score game or in the second half you know if you don't score on the opening drive then you're allowing them to make it a one score game there, there. and then as soon as it's a one score game then it's it's on and Wilson's back in the game and it's heads in the game again and, and that's just when you have all the problems that 49ers have always had against the Seahawks when they've gone up against them and lost the game i could just picture it i'm like if there's some way for me to like bet on whether this game will come down to Wilson driving down the field in the final two minutes of the game to win the game, I would bet all the money that I have on it because it will happen. If you hit this field goal, it will happen. You can just see it a mile away. It's, I don't know, maybe it's because Shinhan hasn't been around for that long you know, in San Francisco. But as a 49ers fan who's watched us lose to the Seahawks in all types of stupid ways, that's the way that... Well, Usually it happens by them blowing us out. But if we, if we ever do get a lead, that's the way that they come back is because you won't step on the gas when you should step on the gas. And that is a bad call. Like there's no reason why you should be doing that. If it's fourth down and one and fourth down and two on the other team's seven yard line, you should never, I mean, the only time you, can sh- you should kick a field goal is at, you know, at the end of a game to go up by, you know, you know, an additional score. Otherwise it's, it's a bad decision that, lowers your win probability and lowers your expected points. Right. Because by doing that, you're, yeah, you're adding three points, but you're kicking the ball back off to the other team. They're starting at the 25, probably at the worst. And now they have a chance to go down the field and score 
Whereas if you go for it, four than one, you have a better than average chance of converting that. And at that point, you have a pretty good chance of putting the ball in the end zone. And then you have a pretty good chance of ending the game. And even at that point, I think the um, win probability was somewhere in the 80, 80% range. You do that, it's going to be over 90%. I mean, the game's over. And you have just won the game in the first half. And why won't you take that chance? Why do you decide instead to do the, I don't want to say do the stupid thing, make the decision that's the incorrect decision that is over time going to lose you more football games? I just don't understand why he does that. And then they were lucky enough to get the ball back with what, 45 seconds left? And then Shanahan, this is the other thing, he's driving me crazy this year at the end of the half. It's like he does the exact same thing the end of every half when he has like limited time on the clock and he's not really sure what he wants to do and he has the ball like you know somewhere between like the 30 and the 40 yard line and, and he'll, he'll throw a screen pass to somebody and it, it used to be uh, Pettis and then it turned into Kittle and then this time it was Brita and it's like you like you know it's coming I'm like here comes the screen pass and then Shanahan running the ball running the clock out and the half's over <laughs> and it's like here comes the screen pass which luckily wasn't you know a p- fumble back for six and then hand off to Breeden and they run, run the ball. It's like, what are you doing? Like, e- either go for it or don't go for it. Just make a decision. And, and don't do the exact same thing every play because in case you haven't figured it out, other teams are figuring it out. The Seahawks knew what was coming. If I know what's coming, the Seahawks know what's coming. And that ball is going to get picked. And you're going to look really stupid for like half trying and, you know, <laughs> and then going down another seven points because of it. So that was the second problem that I had. <laughs> The third problem was, why are you going for two with three and a half minutes left in the third quarter? How do you have any idea how many points are going to be scored in the rest of the game? And I, I'm all about going, you know, going for two in the right situation. Or if, I'm actually, actually, I'm all about going for two all the time if that's what you decide you want to do. But in that specific situation and that play call too, like that is not the time you should be going for two. You should be waiting until you have a better idea of how many points are going to be scored in the game and and how that either conversion or failure to convert is going to affect the outcome of the game because you're just throwing away points at that point. You don't know how many more possessions they're going to have and you don't know how many, know how many more points the other team is going to have. And, and you know, teams seem to be doing that a lot earlier and earlier in games over the last couple of years. And I don't see any reason why they would do that because it doesn't do you any good. It does you good if you converted obviously but you know, just like the saints did in the, what was it, the first quarter i'm like well, why are you going for two just out of like out of nowhere it just doesn't make any sense it's like either do, go for two all the time or don't go for two don't go for two just because you feel like it and you know especially when you have no idea what's going to be happening for the rest of the game so you know and i was looking at the you know expected points that the 49ers lost over some of these decisions and um the win probability the 49ers lost Expected points and significant win probability on all three of these coaching decisions. Uh, the three average out to approximately one point per decision, or a total of three points. So another way of looking at it is the 49ers are essentially, via their coaching decisions, just these three decisions, beginning the game down by a field goal before they even kick the ball off. And when you think about how an extra three points per game would have affected the 49ers season. I mean, obviously they would have ended up the same place that they did at the top, but the road at the top would have been a whole lot less stressful and the Niners could potentially be undefeated at this point. Now, we're in this 
really becomes important is in the playoffs because the 49ers are going to be in games where the difference in the outcome of the game is going to be three points or less. It's almost certain. So the 49ers need to make better coaching decisions and ones that increase their win probability and not decrease it if they want to be Super Bowl champions in 2020. So I'll finish up with another call that I don't necessarily have a problem with, but analytics tell us that it is not the correct move, is the punt on the fourth and one with uh, 234 left in the fourth quarter. And I understand why he wouldn't do that because that's the kind of call that you need to be sure of yourself and you need to be sure of the analytics if you're going to go for it in that situation. Because that was right after the Garland penalty, right? Yeah, yes, and then they got what um, all but all but one yards yard. From Mostert. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's you know fourth and one uh, on your on your on thirty, which is a situation where on average you're more likely to win the game if you go for it as opposed to punt. But I I can understand as to why you wouldn't do it because that that is a move where if you fail, then you know the media's going to come down at you pretty hard because they don't understand either. But you know, that's another one that had negative expected points and negative uh, win percentage. So, I mean, that one, okay, that's cool. Like, I understand it. Like, I don't expect my my coach to be making that decision unless he is really, really sure of himself. But the other three, at least two of those three, he should have done something different. And then, and then I wouldn't be calling him out. <laughs> but being zero for four on those, and, it, and it's not like it's difficult. I mean, you can like look it up on the internet. Like in t- like ten seconds, it'll tell you what you're supposed to do. So it's it's not like this is you know magic or something like that. You know, and I'm sure that like I said, I'm sure they have an analytics team, and I'm sure these guys are parking in his ear. They should be. So yeah, so it's just it's the little things. They need to get these little things taken care of because they are going to be playing difficult games going forward, and they cannot make mistakes. And Seattle is not as good of a team as the teams that they're going to be playing going forward, unless they play them again. Uh, but they are going to be playing teams that are better than Seattle and you can't be making bad decisions and expect to beat teams that are very, very good. So clean it up. And that's all I have to say about that. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm mostly with you. I, I thought the, the field goal was the weirdest one, mostly because it looked like, I don't know what was happening on that. Cause they lined up and then it didn't look like they were actually in a hurry to take the field goal. I was sort of half expecting a fake, or that they were trying to draw them offside or something. I don't know what was going on because they lined up and then they had the delay a game. Uh, so there was definitely something going on. I, th- I thought the the real move would have been to, if you wanted to try to draw them off sides, get Garoppolo out there and let them try to see if they could draw them off sides. If the whole plan was to take a delay a game and then kick a slightly longer field goal, you know, from this, from this 12 instead of the, <laughs> instead of the seven, then that's fine. Whatever. Um, uh, but yeah, I thought that was, that was, uh, that was the strangest one. I think the, the one late in the game going it from going for it on fourth and one from your 30, definitely the, the, the opportunity for it to backfire. And then you give the Seahawks, they only have to go 30 yards to, to win the game. Probably not a, not your, your, even though the analytics may say so, I don't know that, that one, that one would have been scary. Yeah. And that's <laughs> like, I, I totally understand why he, he would not do that. I would never expect him to do that. No, but even showing that, it's fourth and one. Even there, you're sh- you should be doing it. When you have fourth and one on the seven yard line of the other team, it's it, you shouldn't be thinking twice. You know, just sure p- put your foot on the gas or on their necks, depending on how graphic you want to be, and finish <laughs> them off. 
Yeah, for sure. But he didn't do that. And because of that, we had to rely on green law and yeah. thank goodness that he was able to pull it out for us. Yeah. Nicely done. Thanks, Dre. Cool. All right. Um, well, let's go ahead and move on. We don't, we don't really have a whole lot of like specifics to, to look at for the rest of, of the, uh, the podcast because, um, our next game is still to be determined based on so great. It, it's, it's, it's really awesome. Uh, <laughs> based on the wild card weekend and how that goes. Um, we do have the first, uh, playoff home game in Levi stadium history. That's coming up on January the 11th against a team against the lowest remaining seed from whoever wins, uh, during the wildcard weekend in the NFC. Um, so just really quickly, I don't, we don't want to need to belabor this, but what, what are the things that the 49ers need to be doing to prepare for that first game? Obviously not knowing who their, who their opponent will be until, you know, Sunday night. So the players need to not get arrested. In the meantime, please do not get arrested. Please stay out Good of trouble. Plan. I do not want any drama. Just rest, rehab. And they really need to use this like, you know, the second buy that they should have gotten, like actually during the season as opposed to week four. And, you know, and the players who are on the mend need to keep on mending and, you know, make sure to be healthy and ready to go in two weeks because we need D Ford and that has been proven. I don't think anyone's going to argue otherwise and we need tart and i think that's also been fairly proven and i don't think anyone's gonna argue otherwise and you know, you know person's another guy who's hopefully gonna be back and actually, actually i think i might be stealing your thunder on that one <laughs> that's all right basically all the guys who are hurt get better <laughs> and uh continue your rehabbing and and if alexander really if you're gonna play i i think you're out of your mind and i sort of like it <laughs> so, <laughs> so that that would be actually pretty awesome if you were able to do that for and sure i'm sure if you're able to do that in front of a levi's crowd it will be crazy and i will be attending this game because the foreigners are not playing the ravens so i would definitely like to see that oh, um, you're a lucky man um yeah and, until i looked at the price of flights <laughs> not so lucky so i might be like driving i don't know yeah. Well, um, yeah so and then for the coaches you know clean up the mistakes and then game plan for your three potential opponents. And Shanahan hasn't really been that good coming off of bye weeks, even though it isn't really a bye week. But he needs to have a good two weeks, and he needs to take advantage of the fact that he has that extra time. And another thing that was very kind of the NFL to do is is to schedule both of those games on Sunday, as opposed to Saturday, both of the NFC games this week. Yeah, I thought that was interesting. I don't. I don't think they usually do that. I thought they usually split up like an AFC and NFC game on both days. But and I, I honestly can't remember because it's been so long since we've been there. You know? Yeah, I don't know either. It just feels. It feels like the right thing. I, I thought that the season ended like in December. It has for a while. Apparently, there's or there's sometimes games in January, and February. Who knew? Uh, <laughs> yeah. So Shannon needs to game plan appropriately and use the time, um, the extra time that he has to formulate a, a good game plan for the three potential teams that the Fortnite will be facing here in two weeks. Yeah. So sorry for stealing your, uh, your injury thunder, but I'll tell you. Yeah. For, I mean, I'm, I'm with you on that. It's just pretty much just get everybody healthy and don't get anybody else hurt. Um, we've actually stayed away. Knock on wood. Donk, donk. Um, from t- practice injuries too much this season, which is good. Um, I know we had a couple of training camp, uh, injuries, but then other than, um, who am I thinking of that just tore his ACL a couple of weeks ago? Taylor? Yeah, Julian Taylor. Um, we have stayed pretty much away from, from practice injuries, so I think that's good. Um, and we need to continue to do that. Yeah. Um, 
Quas Guitar, as you mentioned, D Ford, Mike Person, who I was reading today, he's actually been active the last two weeks, uh, but has been sort of like, you know, break in case of emergency kind of kind of option. And Daniel Burnskill has been in there at at right guard um, in his stead. Um, Please play him at center. Yeah, so we'll see how that goes. Um, he's apparently like in a, a, a fairly. You know, like he could go if he needed to, but is not not feeling like it's it's going to be a good thing. Um, so I don't know. We'll see how that goes. Um, and then of course, Quan Alexander, who returned to practice today. Um, we'll see how that goes. I think it's more likely that he plays in the NFC Championship game if they win on the eleventh um, than anything else. I, I I'd be really surprised if they just. I mean, they have until you know right up until the game on the 11th to decide what they want to do. But uh, we'll, we'll see how that goes. But uh, especially Tart and Ford, I think it's really important to make sure that they're ready to play in these, in these games. Um, and I think the fact that they, they released um, <laughs> our good friend Antoine Exum again uh, <laughs> would suggest that they think Tart is going to be ready to go um, for the game. So we'll see how that goes. But um, yeah, I think it's just, you know, get healthy, stay healthy. And that's pretty much it. So, uh, let's go ahead then and move on to our final section. Uh, we don't have a Ford Niners game to predict because we don't know who they're playing. Uh, but just for f- well, I guarantee a victory. Oh yes, so. as well as well. Yeah, me too. Or, or I guarantee not to lose. Not to lose for sure. Oh, I wanted to. <laughs> we'll I, I wanted to throw this fun fact out. Did you realize that um, I heard this on uh, the Ford Niners Insider podcast with Matt Mayoko today? Uh, this is Emmanuel Sanders' first bye week of the season. Yeah, that's right. Because he 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 uh, had an extra game this year. Because he came over after ours and before he's played in seventeen football games already this season. So, well, technically it is, but he did disappear for a couple of games. So I don't know. Yeah, right, right, right. But his his first. I, I love you, Emmanuel. I didn't mean it. See his first game <laughs> week where he has not had to play an official game. So, um, so what we're gonna do now, just really quickly, then we don't have to get a lot of, in a lot of detail, but just who do we think is going to win the four wild card matchups that are coming up this weekend? Uh, for those keeping track, it is um, the Titans traveling to Foxborough to play the Patriots, uh, the Bills in Houston uh, to play the Texans. Um, those are the AFC matchups on Saturday. And then we have the uh, Vikings traveling to New Orleans and Seattle traveling to Philadelphia Gotta love it um, on for the NFC games on Sunday. Um, so I am going to say uh, Patriots are going to beat the Titans in spite of the fact that they haven't been playing all that well. Um, yeah, I, I think, you know, there's been this whole, like, who do you trust more, Ryan Tannehill or Tom Brady thing going around? And I'm like, come on, people. Like, seriously? Like, to what? To like, do my taxes or what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, what? Well, actually, that, that, that would still be Brady. I don't, I don't yeah, know. I'm still- what, what would I hit? What would I allow Tannehill to do over over Tom Brady? I don't even know, man. I don't know. Um, I'm going to think about that these next two weeks. For sure, for sure. Um, (laughs) I still think that that, the Titans may be an up-and-coming team. And and I'm not saying that they cannot win. I just feel like it's more likely that the Patriots pull out one of those games. Um, I'm going to say the Texans over the Bills um, in uh, in Houston to complete the AFC wildcard matchups. And then I'm going to say saints over Vikings. And then I don't really, I really don't like saying this. I really don't. I don't want to say this at all. Uh, but I feel like Philadelphia is not all that good and they're probably going to lose to Seattle. Although I will be rooting hard for, for Carson Wentz and company to, to, to get that win so they can come on over to, to Levi stadium in this particular situation. Um, yeah. Cause I definitely don't want to see Seattle again. I'm really tired of them. So Chris, what do you think? Yeah. Cause so that's the late game, I believe, right? Seattle and Philadelphia. 
which would uh, make sense. Yes, they're playing on NBC. So, so it's it's yes. late. It's at four o'clock. It's at four forty in the afternoon. Yeah, so. Because we <laughs> we will get Minnesota if they beat New Orleans. Correct. If Minnesota wins, then it's all. Then it doesn't matter what happens in the Seattle Philadelphia okay. game. So. so I'm thinking. Yeah, I'm just thinking about like who who I should be rooting for, and it, it, it it's sort of difficult. Like I don't really want to play Minnesota. I really want to play Philadelphia, <laughs> mm-hmm. but at the same time, like I wouldn't mind the Saints getting knocked out because I feel like they're the strongest number two team in the NFC, even though, even though, even though <laughs> they're yeah, the number three. three but, but next to the lofty 49ers, I believe that they're probably the, the second best team in the NFC. I agree. So yeah, I'm not, my, my, my rooting interests are going to be all over the place, but I, I guess you, right here, I'm just supposed to protect games, right? So, yeah, who so do you, you think you, you went with all the favorites because, you oh, know. did I? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Shockingly, right? Yeah. yeah, because you're one to live on the edge for sure. So New England versus Tannehill, Brady. I pick Brady. Houston, Buffalo. Everyone's been so excited that Buffalo's gotten into the playoffs. Congratulations, Buffalo. Buffalo fans are very mean to me when I was in Buffalo for that horrible <laughs> loss a couple of years ago. So <laughs> I don't like you, Buffalo. Well, actually, that's what I do like Buffalo, but yeah. not in this game. I think that Houston's going to pull it out. Uh, I think both of them are ten and six, and Houston is favored by less than a field goal. I will also take Houston in that game. Minnesota and New Orleans. This is the game of the largest line. I believe it's seven and a half or eight. It's, it's over a touchdown, which is pretty crazy. Um, I believe last time they played each other in the playoffs, Minnesota won. Yeah, I remember that uh, game. I'm not mistaken, and that. I mean, they on a miracle, in a very, in a very tr- traditional way, of course. Yes, of course. <laughs> so I don't think that's going to happen again. This game really comes down to, to Taysom. It depends on how much they want to play Taysom. Hopefully, they play him a lot and <laughs> they get annihilated. But I think that, <laughs> yeah, gotta stay on brand. Yeah, actually, that, that would be sort of fun if we get to play them again, just like so knock on Taysom some more. Um, but yeah, I, I think New Orleans is going to pull this game out. Um, they are the better of the two teams, and Minnesota has a quarterback who is not very good under pressure that I'm glad we don't have on our team. So I will take New Orleans in that matchup and I will go against the grain and say that we have ruined the Seahawks after their defeat last week. And Philadelphia is going to pull a, well, I guess what, what was it? Seattle pulled on um, green Bay back in the day when, when uh, green Bay was a, the far superior team was forced to travel to Seattle to play, I believe, a seven-win uh, Seattle team. I think that that was the first that time. Was, that was uh, the Saints. New or- that was the New Orleans against against the against Seattle. They were seven and nine. Yeah, it was the beast mode coming out party. Okay, the P- Packers are the other wild card, I guess. I must be mixing up New Orleans and and the Packers since they're they're both the uh, number two slash three seed. Yep. Well. Whoever they beat, <laughs> they shouldn't have, but they did. And that yeah, was, I guess, that at seems. the time, the, the loudest ever uh, play in NFL history and caused like an earthquake and yada, yada. And you know, right. back then I wasn't the uh, the Seattle hater that I obviously am now. Uh, so I thought it was sort of funny, especially when everyone was saying, oh, this is so, so absurd that um, you know, the, the team with, I don't know what the record was, had to go travel you know, to go play a, a seven and nine team and that seven and nine team just took it to them. So, um, I will take Philadelphia in this game because I think that Philadelphia is a 
comparable football team to Seattle, even though Seattle has a much better record. Although Philadelphia did get to play lots of NFC East teams, which is good for them and should should have boosted their record much higher than nine and seven. But overall, they were maybe they scored thirty one more points than their opponents over the, the course of the season, whereas the Seahawks scored seven more points than their opponents over the course of the season. I think that Philadelphia is going to hang with Seattle, and I think the Philadelphia the Philadelphia fans are going to be as nasty as ever, and I think that. Philadelphia is going to beat a Seattle team that is deflated because they have suddenly realized that they've just been lucky all year long and really not that good. So I will go against the green and and pick uh, an underdog. I like it because I don't want to be the you know, the guy who gets it all correct like you do. <laughs> I like it. I like it. I, I mean, I'm, I, as I said, I'm, I'm definitely hoping that's the direction that it goes because I I'm, I'm just tired of of the fight and Russell Wilson's uh, coming. And, and having to play them, I'm just tired of them. I'm tired, tired, tired of it. No more Seattle ever again. I would rather not. Let's kick them out of the division. I'm just done with them forever. Let's trade them with somebody else. <laughs> send them to Canada or something, yeah, something like that. Uh, or send them to the XFL. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I like it. <laughs> I like it too. All right. Well, uh, thank you uh, once again for listening to the Niner Noise Podcast, part of the Fan Sided Podcast Network. Uh, you can always, as always, check us out on your favorite podcasting platform and leave us a nice review and share the podcast with all your 49er fan friends. Uh, uh, so we will be back with you next week um, to discuss whoever it is that we will be playing in the divisional rounds. Uh, but until then, go off and root for whatever you know team you want to see continue on in the playoffs. Um, and by that we mean rooting against the Seattle Seahawks. So we'll see you next week, Niner fans. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. 
Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.